I take my step and strike through mortal bounds, calling for God of Thunder. Welcome to Tales from the Longbox. I am Brad. And this is Kelly. Yes, we actually named it this time. Well, we stole your old name. Yeah, it's a blog I did a long time ago where I reviewed comic books, and we decided to go with that um, because we kind of weaseled and decided we're going to primarily focus on Thor, but we might go down some side roads here and there just to cleanse the palate a bit. So this is episode three, and today we are going to be doing Journey into Mystery number 85. Thor, the mighty, trapped by Loki, the god of mischief. So this is cover date October 1962. Um, the writer is Stan Lee. Art is by Jack Kirby. And the lettering is by Art Simic. So we start our issue off here with Loki trapped in a tree. Yes, a tree. And he has learned to manipulate the tree over time, and he can only be freed if someone sheds a tear over his plight. But no one is willing to shed a tear over his plight because they all hate him. Yes. Because he is in Asgard. So he, um, he gets the tree to drop a leaf as Hemdel walks by, and it catches him in the eye, and he sheds a tear, which frees Loki. I feel like this is a technicality that should not have worked. Well, then they go on to explain why it's not a technicality, which just makes it sound more like a technicality. Yeah, I agree. So Loki is now free, and he starts talking about Thor. Interestingly enough, because I did reread this, they do not talk about their being siblings in this at all. No, just they, oh, sorry, just enemies. They, they obviously have past history, but they don't mention that yet. So I'll be interested to see when they finally start to acknowledge that. So Thor, he, he spies on Thor because he casts some spell that he can track the metal of the hammer. So Thor is entertaining children in a hospital. So Loki decides he's going to head down to Earth. Well, the hammer is because he established a mental link with the the metal that the, the hammer Uru. is made out of i'm not sure how that works but yeah. i just wanted to delight you all with that fact so he comes down to earth and disguises himself he actually looks quite similar to how loki does in the movies when he has like regular clothing on he does yeah surprisingly similar actually so he goes to the hospital and they talk about how great thor is so he decides he needs to cause a little trouble to draw him out. So then these people, I guess they say they're in like negative versions of themselves. So it's just like their colorings reversed. I thought they were talking about like photo negatives. Like yeah, in, yeah, you're right, actually. They've been transformed into negatives. So this uh, draws Thor out and he like fixes their condition and Loki reveals himself. And they decide they're going to do battle in the air. So Loki heads into the air and Thor follows him by swinging his hammer around. And the sun reflecting off of Thor's hammer hypnotizes him. Well, let's go back for a second. Because you skipped over some interesting changes here from the first two books. So it's really obvious in the beginning, in part one. Because this is in parts again. 
It's really yeah. obvious in part one that now everybody knows who Thor is. So in the last two, no one else knew who Thor was. But now everybody on the street is like, it's Thor, it's Thor. I guess he would have gotten some level of fame because of, you know, helping that country in South America. And then he knows who Loki is. So in the first two, while they, it was that the doctor turned into Thor, I guess. It was a little weird because he had that thought balloon where he was kind of talking about it like out of character knowledge like he doesn't know him firsthand but you know recognized him from a book yes yeah and now he apparently has all of Thor's memories yeah so also I forgot to there's a there's a little there is a little balloon and I actually like that they did not put text in here and over explain but when he runs off as Don Blake to turn into Thor, they do a scene of him like leaving and Jane Foster looking back and seeing him leaving. Yes, and she says something like, "Oh golly." Yes. <laughs> did they refer? I don't think they referred to her by name at all in this. I think no, you just respected the scene. But okay, so so then you had skipped ahead quite a bit, but I want to talk about how Loki got into the air. Because this comes up three times in this issue, and it gets a little bit more ridiculous every time. So, for their battle in the air, Loki enchants a carpet, yes, and the carpet floats him into the air. And my my argument is, if you have magic, why can't you just float yourself into the air? He's kind of a showman, though. But, yeah, this... Well, you'll see where this goes. It's quite amazing. Yeah, so then um, Thor is hypnotized because he hypnotized himself with his own hammer. So Loki has them land in the park. He tries to get him to get rid of the hammer, and Thor won't do it. So he then tries to get him to attack a sea monster in the park lake. And he throws the hammer into the lake, but it comes back. And Loki's like, I forgot that the hammer comes back, which seems to be a key thing that Loki shouldn't forget, but... Well, I actually thought that this was a clever way to once again go over Thor's powers. Oh, yeah, Without true. having, like, and here's my powers. Like, instead it was Loki trying to get him to give up the hammer, and it pretty much went the gamut through what he could do. Yeah, so then Loki then creates an image of Thor and has him give the hammer to the image of Thor... And then they wander off with the hammer still on the ground. And then he orders him to let, I think, lions. I don't know if they specified what the animal was or if I missed it. In I the think arc. it was like all the animals. Yeah. He tells them to let the animals out at the zoo because they're going to cause some havoc. Meanwhile, people are trying to pick his hammer up, which Loki makes note of that they're not strong enough to do. And then um, because he breaks contact with the hammer for more than a minute, he becomes Dr. Don Blake again. And because he is no longer Thor, he is not hypnotized anymore. Now, I thought that was actually a clever way of getting out of it. Well, I mean, I once put the hammer down. He was always going to become Dr. Blake yeah. again. So he wanders over and all these people are trying to pick it up. They're like, well, that little guy's not going to be able to do it. So he touches the hammer in front of like probably scores of people and becomes Thor. So yet again, we have this problem of him becoming Thor in front of people. Well, the bright light blinded them to the transformation. 
And then once again, someone's like, where'd that skinny guy go? I don't know, but there's Thor. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows where the skinny guy went? That's my problem with it. I know there's always the bright light, but it doesn't. It seems like someone would put two and two together and be like, hey. Thor's standing exactly where that skinny guy was. Yes. So then Thor once again confronts Loki, and my wife's favorite part of this comic comes up, where Loki summons all the pigeons around him. Now, you might be thinking, Loki's just going to have the pigeons fly around and cause, like, some interference so he can run away. But no, the pigeons become a giant mass of pigeons so Loki can float away on his, his, um, I guess, magic carpet of pigeons. Herd of pigeons? Flight of pigeons? Cluster of pigeons? I don't, and why pigeons? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, so then Thor Thor gives chase by tossing his hammer into the air and um, holding on to the, was it the unbreakable thong? Yes, the okay. unbreakable thong. And um, he's gaining on Loki, so Loki tells the pigeons to be gone. Literally, be gone, pigeons. Yes. And they they land, and I think people are like, is this an advertising stunt? Yeah. <laughs> And now what leads to him being distracted long enough for Loki to summon a horse off of screen? Oh, it's because so he starts chasing Loki and they go down into the subway and Loki oh, starts no, no, pushing. No, 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 there was another, they were in the theater and Loki like covered him in the theater curtain. Oh, that's right. And Thor used the power of the wind to get the curtain off of him, which means that he blew on it. Um, is this the second time that like a cloth has been used to? Uh... This is the second time in three books, yes. But no trees died in this one. So we're only at five de dead trees. But um, so this is this is the moment where I thought they are trying to have a counterpart to Superman. Like Thor is what Stanley is trying to do to have a Superman. Yeah, I would say that's fair. So what was is it the the whole blowing on it thing is what Hold made on. you think I, that? Yeah, because. Um, Superman has the freezing breath, but did he have that at this time period? Yes, he was probably okay. his most powerful now. Uh, where, where Superman was at his weakest is when, like, in that early golden age, like, he couldn't fly at first, and he was vulnerable to, like, gas. Like, so uh, he would be a, have all those powers right now, though. So then, then they give chase into the subway. Then it's the subway, yeah. and the fantastic battle is resumed. Yeah, and um, Loki starts pushing people in front of the subway car to get thwarted. To you know what? You know what strikes me? Why didn't Loki just disappear or become invisible? Why can't he fly on his own? It Why seemed, does he need pigeons? It seemed very. They were trying very hard, I think, not to make him a standard like sorcerer. I think for this issue, but. So Thor jumps onto the rail to save these people. And um, instead of just like, you know, grabbing them, he, he bends the tracks upward and the train then kind of loops up into the air and the people you're, are safe. You're not illustrating this well enough. He lays down with them. So they're, they're on the tracks because Loki pushed them down there. <laughs> he jumps down there, lays down on his back, and then pushes the rails up over him himself like he's doing a bench press and the train goes over 
And the, the, the panel with Loki running and just pushing that lady in front of the train is pretty fantastic. It, it is a good panel. Yeah. Because you have the guys, there's a lot of action. Like the guy's legs are in the air, her arms are up. Um, yeah. You got Thor running behind him. So then Thor catches up with him and Loki has summoned a Pegasus off of a gas sign. And is wreaking havoc on the city by destroying other signs. Loki must not like literature. So I'm, then, just, I'm just surprised he didn't call the pigeons again. And Loki says that while he's approaching yonder statue, he'll think of a way to defeat Thor once and for all. And where he is is on top of the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. So then it's like, meanwhile, Thor goes and gets these giant pipes from somewhere. Oh, that's right. Because I, I was really disappointed that they, that they created a, a good counterpart to Thor in that Thor is like a brute and they created a thinker. And usually when they would do this in Superman, it was a chance for Superman to have to outthink someone. But Thor did not do that here. He just chucked a pipe at him and caught him. And Loki, the the box above Loki says glub. G-L-U-B, glub. It's <laughs> just amazing. Yeah. So then Loki falls into the water, and I guess his magic doesn't work when he's wet. Right. That's that's our new Loki. So Loki's a reverse gremlin. <laughs> his magic powers are useless in the water. And then Thor goes and saves him. He's like, I cannot stand for anyone to perish, even the likes of you. Yeah, because he's like, why did you save me? And then Loki's like, at least let me dry off. And Thor's like, no, I won't let you use your magic powers. So then Thor uses his hammer and he throws it with Loki attached and throws him back to Asgard. Where Odin, um, they, they, I think Baltar and Tyr are also there. Yeah. Um, you don't see their faces like the back of their heads. So this is technically the first appearance of Odin and those other guys, but... Um, He's got a pretty impressive headdress. Yeah, it's just the back of their heads. So then Thor waits for his hammer to come back. He's like, it is a good thing this came back like within a minute because I would not have had the strength to catch it as Don Blake, which it seems like um, seems like a plot inconsistency because earlier all he had to do was touch the hammer to become Thor again. So wouldn't he just have turned into Thor the second the hammer made contact coming back? That's what I thought, too. I guess it, it really hasn't gone into, like, would he have healed, though? You know, like, if it hit him and he already, like, busted his ribs, but then he became Thor. I don't know. Yeah. It does, these early comics do not go that deep. Um, no, but I feel like this one, you do see they expanded the universe out a bit. But then the Thor, so at the beginning of this comic, when Loki is talking, he says that no one knows where Thor is, and it's been a really, really long time. He has not been to Asgard for ages. Um, and then when Loki gets dropped off by Thor's hammer, Odin says, once again, my eldest son, the Lord of Thunder, has vanquished Loki. Which seemed weird to me. Like, like, wouldn't, shouldn't his response been, oh, wow, Thor's back. I would have felt like, I mean, them being gods and stuff, they wouldn't they have noticed him, like, acting on earth or that do they just not pay attention to earth no and then it's his son and you would think and i'm probably going a little bit off of movie here which i shouldn't do 
But you think he would know when the hammer got activated again, though? Yeah. Like when someone fulfilled that role as Thor again. Yeah. So, what did you think about this issue? This was ridiculous. They're like, I can't. You have to go read. You have to go read this for yourself. I cannot express the ridiculousness of this issue. But they're so much fun. Like, they are absolutely ridiculous. And you can. I mean, obviously, Stanley is honing his craft and like playing with all of these concepts and superheroes. And it's, it's a really enjoyable read. But they're hilarious. I feel like you didn't have the problem with the clunkiness that the last issue had where he was doing all this like kind of convoluted ways of becoming Thor and like interacting like he just became Thor and it was more of a standard superhero thing. This feel like it actually got storyboarded first. Like there wasn't there was an outline to this one. But I kind of I kind of there's a couple things, though. I did not like Loki's brown hood. It really looked ugly on his green and yellow. And I know coloring had its limits in print at this time, so that's why you get a lot of the colors that you do. But I also was hoping more for, like, the contrast between Loki's cleverness and Thor's, like, brute strength, and I don't feel like that was here. They might get there, though. This is the first appearance. Yeah, I I think they'll get there pretty quick because I know the Loki in Avengers is a little different than this. And I think the I think the brown goes away. I think they probably got mail that was like, "Hey, don't do that," or they didn't like how it turned out. But um, yeah, I I thought it was it was a fun read. They're quick reads, like they're they can be dense, like word wise. Like if you if you're used to reading modern comics, t- reading a comic in this era, like if if I read a modern comic, it might take me five to ten minutes, but a comic back then, especially a full-length one, takes me 20 to 30 minutes. And I would say it takes me longer to read a 13-page Thor story in this era than it does like a modern full-size comic. Well, there are a lot of words, but a lot of that, though, is exposition. Yeah. And things that because we're knowledgeable of the character and we're not reading it for the first time in whatever year this came out, yeah, we don't necessarily need um there's a lot of explaining what they're doing a lot yeah and some of that is also like limitations of the art and um because they they they're very stringent to how the panel setup is and it kind of stifles some of the creativity i think for it sometimes for me especially in the last issue i think it happened once or twice here like some of the most important moments or the most standout moments are in the teeniest, tiniest of the frames, uh, which is weird. But and it's weird how like him running away and Jane Foster just reacting didn't need the exposition. And I thought it was highly effective because you you got it. I think it was also Jane Foster who, when Loki landed, was like, "Ooh, he's so dashing. <laughs> <laughs> So well, every time a superhero shows up, they have Jane Foster I think that going, was at the end hey, because baby. her and Don were walking and she's like, oh, it's so exciting having like Thor and Loki around. Oh, she said, she said, how romantic. Yeah. It makes our lives seem so ordinary. Doesn't it, Dr. Blake? Well, I mean, it's, it's, it is the sixties, like. How old and Ellie. Yeah. 
So anyway, there is one thing I did want to discuss before we um, we signed off for this one. But we'd kind of talked about the Silver Age and the Golden Age in the first episode. And just in case someone is listening to this and they don't have like the the standard idea of what the comic ages are, I thought I would quickly go over that with like hardline what the the years are and all that stuff. The Golden Age obviously starts with Action Comics number one in 1938, and that goes to 1956. So there are two argued starting points for the Silver Age of comics. So the most agreed upon and really what most people consider to be the start is Showcase number four, which came out in October of 1956. This is the first appearance of the Barry Allen Flash. Now, there are other people that argue that it's actually a year before, which is Detective Comics number 255 in November of 1955, because that is the first appearance of Martian Manhunter, who is considered a Silver Age character. So the Silver Age then goes from 1956 to 1970. Now, 1970 to 1984 is called the Bronze Age. This is a little more um, not as agreed upon, and some people don't even think it actually is a thing. They think it's like a term coined by price guides. But if you get a consensus, it's generally when cover prices became 15 cents. The Bronze Age is kind of noted because the Comics Code Authority started to lighten up a bit and the comics kind of got a little more mature and you saw some horror stuff coming out from the big two and then this one i highly disagree with but they say the modern age is 1985 to present which i think is a lot of lazy garbage because there's been a highly well you're saying it's almost 40 years at this point that's the same age which is stupid but there has been a high high level of change in that time for it to be a single age more yeah, so that, than that doesn't make sense to me at no. all because if i was doing i'd probably say like 1985 to about 2000 was an age and then about 2000 to 2011 was its own age and then i would say then this would be the next 10 years would be its own thing because the 90s are distinctly different from today well and you can't underestimate the effect that the popularity that the movies had affected it. Well, yeah, and but I mean, there's been a, there is a severe market contraction in that point that they've never come back out of, and the market has contracted even more while the properties have become like really hot as like entertainment mediums. So I don't agree with that designation. I think it's dumb. So we are officially three issues into this. So what have you thought so far? Three issues in. I mean, I've said it. I've said it a couple times, but it, it's fun. It's a fun romp. Um, when I'm reading it on the Marvel app and it's suggesting other things to me, I'm like, "Oh, that looks interesting." I'm like, "Well, that might be, might be a little dark, or, or you know." And I'm not sure I want to put the brain power into that. Uh, I work third shift. I'm tired all the time. So, but these they're just they're fun. I look forward to reading them. Yeah, it, we, we talked about um, we're doing this as like a test run for six episodes. So this is the third. I think we're probably going to go past this because it's gone pretty well and we haven't struggled to fill episodes with content. I think, though, I think we will 
get into some side things here and there. I think we'll be primarily Thor, but I don't be surprised if maybe we go off like on a limited series or we might do if Kelly's interested, we might do like Iron Man's first appearance when we get to it. We're going to do Avengers number one just because um, I, I want to see her reaction to that, but it also involves Thor. And we'll do some th side things like team-ups of Thor's and other books and all that. But I think that's it for episode three. Is there anything you want to say before we head off for the third time? No, thanks for listening. I hope you're reading along with us. This is This is a lot of fun. Yes, I agree. So we will see you next time with Journey into Mystery number 86 with the Tomorrow Man, according to the teaser. <laughs>